Hi, I'm John Shea, National Baseball Writer at the San Francisco Chronicle, and this is the A's Plus Podcast. We're going to hook up with A's manager Bob Melvin and ask him about his managing gig, expectations for 2019 in the wake of last year's playoff appearance, how his role has changed over the years, and some talk on old school versus new school managing, plus his thoughts on Bruce Bochy, who's entering his final year as the manager across the bay, along with some dialogue about some of the proposed rule changes, some good, some bad, what he likes, what he dislikes. So some good stuff here. Stay tuned and catch us after this quick break. From Bob Melvin's office in Mesa, Arizona, on a rainy day, I'm pleased to be speaking with the A's manager, three-time manager of the year winner, uh, winning the award most recently last year, guiding the team to the playoffs, a year most baseball people didn't expect to happen. But uh, after the season, Bob received a contract extension through 2021. And that's three more years with a club option for 2022. So, Bob, that was a heck of a year, but how, how do you top that? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's an interesting question. Certainly, we, we feel like that's who we are right now as a team that won 97 games. And I think everybody came to camp with, you know, the goal of improving on what we did last year. And that's what I would like to see. Mm-hmm. Having said that, you have to have a little perspective. And I brought that up as well in my mm-hmm. meeting that, you know, this time last year and where we are right now, you guys should feel pretty good about what you accomplished. Obviously, season ended abruptly for us, but you know, to, to be in the postseason after you know where where we were probably picked to be at the beginning of last spring was quite the accomplishment. I want to be the, proud of themselves, but we also have to understand that um, you don't just throw your gloves out there and, and remain in the spot that you are. That we have to to work even harder and set our goals a little bit differently to, to improve and have a better record, and, and hopefully we can get deeper into the postseason. And nobody had a target on you guys early last year because there was weren't many expectations, like you said, but now there is a target. There is, this is a playoff team. we got to give it our best. Not that they didn't last year, but teams always seem to try to at least talk about upping their game against the better teams. Do you expect more of that? Without a doubt. And, and that's what you it's what you want. I mean, you want to be in a position where every year that you are a target. I mean, that's that's what you play for. Um, you know, we, we'd hate to go back and think that, that no one thinks that, you know, that, that we can accomplish what we did last year again. So um, we know that the expectations will be different. You have to embrace that because this is where we want to be. And then then you move forward with, with some higher goals. There's a great statistic coming into this season. Uh, obviously, Buck Showalter and Mike Sosha moved along after last season. So you're fourth on the list of consecutive service time among big league managers. And that, that's, that's huge. Obviously, Bochy is first, and Yost in Kansas City, and, and Clint Hurdle, and, and then yourself uh, uh, coming along in 2011. Uh, 634 wins, 599 losses. So that, that's... That's a pretty impressive feat. What what adjustments have you have you made since you first started doing this? I, I imagine flexibility is is important to durability. No doubt, and and you have to be flexible. Or longevity is the best word. Yeah. Well, along the way, now you have to be flexible to have the longevity mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. things change, and it seems like in baseball they're changing even quicker. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and faster every year. So, you know, whether it's dealing with players, whether it's dealing with the front office, whether it's dealing with the analytics that you're given uh, nowadays, you, you have to embrace this to, to move forward. So, you know, there's definitely a balance as far as that goes. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I've been here for a little while and hopefully a little bit uh, longer and, and uh, you know, hopefully as a team we continue to improve. So I'm lucky enough to be re-upped from the, you know, our ownership in front office. And, you know, after a good year, that's a good feeling. Well, I mean, obviously today's manager is more about just the in-game necessities, but there's managing people and personalities and communication, obviously. I, I remember breaking into to, in my business and, my first manager I covered was Dick Williams, who wouldn't speak to players for months. <laughs> you can't do that anymore, right? No. Um, <laughs> you'll hear from the front office, you'll hear from agents, you'll hear from just about everybody. So, um, and, and I every year kind of talk to my coaches about that too, is that, that, you know, embrace what we have here with these guys. Know that, you know, they, they take the lead from us and, and we have to get in there with them and work with them create the, and get the confidence from them that, that, that you know, they can be open with us. Uh, nowadays, we give them more and more information. We have to know the player and how much they can, you know, how much we can give them and how much they can receive to get better. There's a lot of information now to get everybody better. So our coaches understand that, and uh, it's our job to relay some of the information that we're getting from the front office. Well, you played for some real heavy hitters, Sparky Anderson and Roger Craig and Frank Robinson. We're... we're I, I I covered Roger and a, a little bit of Frank from afar, um, not Sparky, but what, what were their communication skills? Did you learn anything from that, or were they more old school in that way? Well, I learned good and bad okay. from some, but, but that you have to understand that that was a certain time, and that's the way it went down. Like, when I got to the big league, Sparky Anderson was bigger than life to me. I wouldn't even yeah. even think about having a conversation with him unless he came up and had a conversation to me. I hope that is not the case with my players. I want them to know that my door's always open. I try to have small communication with, with everybody on a daily basis. Obviously, we have a lot of players here in spring, and it's almost impossible, but I want them to feel like I'm very approachable. Where When I first came up, it was more because the players thought that the manager was, to an extent, as a young player, was unapproachable. Might not have been the case, but it certainly changed quite a bit. Did that change in, in some at some point in your career? Like, uh, suddenly you say, hey, boy, i got to be a much better communicator. Not that you weren't, but we got to do more of that. Well, I think Roger Craig was the first guy that I played for that really communicated. He would let you know when you were going to play. He would let you prepare. Buck Scholl, which is another guy I played for yeah. that, that was like that too. He'd say, look, you're going to play two days from now against this pitcher, and here's why. So um, that resonated with me, and I, and I feel like I do that with our players the best I can, whether it's spring training lineups the day before or during the season. You know, we, we have to focus – on our bench players as well and get them in, in in situations where they can have some success other than you know back in the day you know I'd play it, it Sunday against Roger Clemens and you know and then I'd sit for another week so and take my 0 for 4 and sit for another week so it was you know a little different in, in how we go about it now as far as the Oakland A's go we try to incorporate everybody we match up we platoon we you know we go through upwards of 40 to 50 players every year and I think it's a very powerful thing for guys to know 
that they'll have a part in it. And if you communicate that to them, they have a better chance to succeed. You said Roger Clemens. It should have been Randy Johnson. You're always in the lineup against him. You I was, him but so I had well. some success against Randy <laughs> yes. Johnson. Guys like Roger Clemens, I didn't have much success against. Yeah. We, we hear a lot about old school managers, new school managers. Uh, uh, maybe we, we, we're not real good at defining them, but you know the, the old school way and the new school way, it seems newer managers are more open to uh, listening to the front office before implementing in-game decisions. Uh, are you both? What I are would, you? I would say I'm both. Okay. I'm old school because I'm old, <laughs> and I'm and I'm more maybe new school because we've always been on the cutting edge here in Oakland as far as the analytics go. So I've had to adapt to that. So I I would consider hopefully both. Okay. How how much communication is there uh, during one uh, pregame? You know, 162 over 180 some days. It's a it's a nonstop gig. But you must, do you talk every day to the front office? Do you hear their input every day? And, and how much information do you get from them? Well, every series we get information. Yeah. So typically the first day of every series when we sit down and we have our scouting report meetings, the communication is more so about who's going to play when. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get updated stuff on particular players on, on what we can bring to them to hopefully get them better. But the first day of the series is the biggest communication day based on the fact that we go over the scouting reports. You know, we have a report that we could do with the pitchers, we have a report we do with the catchers, we have a report we do with the position players, we have video as well to support that. So that first day is important every series to kind of communicate the best we can and then, then it's more nuances as, as the series goes along. But by the way, why are uh, catchers, uh, uh, why are there so many catchers uh, working as managers other than the fact that you're always the, the premier athletes on the field? <laughs> Well, I appreciate you saying that. I'm not sure I was a premier athlete, but I think you see a lot of catchers as managers based on the fact that their communication with the manager is more so than any other position. You know, whether it's in-pitch stuff, throw-over, slide steps, you, you really as a catcher are forced to watch the game like a manager does. So it just becomes part of the way you watch the game. You know, you're, you're implementing scouting reports on posing hitters for your pitchers. You're the one position that's communicating with the pitchers all the time. So a lot of the things that the managers do and how they watch the game um, run right through their catchers. Okay. So I think catchers are just kind of forced to watch the game like a manager does. I mean, Joe Torre, uh, Bruce Bochy, Sosha we mentioned, and you won a ring with Bob Renly in Arizona. Uh, an old friend and another uh, catcher. What, what is your relationship and what has it been with Bruce Bochy who is calling it quits uh, his last season across the bay? And and um, and what, what do you think it'll be like for him in his final year? He's already announced that this is it. Right. I. You know what? I, I don't know that I'm... Uh, there's certain managers you're close to. There's certain managers that are acquaintances. There's certain managers that you feel like are friends. We do have a little bit of a rivalry based on the fact that we're both in the Bay Area, and you want to kind of not like that team, but it's hard to do with a, with Bruce, Bruce Brochi at the helm. He is such a terrific guy, and we've gotten closer since I've been here in Oakland. I did manage against him when I was with Arizona, but based on the fact that we're both in the Bay Area, we see each other in spring training. We have the Bay Bridge Series during the season, during spring training. I've gotten to know him really well. I don't know that there's anybody I respect more so in the hmm. game. So Mike Sosha, a lot of us, or a lot of people seem to think they knew that he was going to be gone at the end of the year. He didn't want 
people to know that, whereas Bobby Cox in 2010, everyone knew that was his swan song, and he was showered with tributes and gifts right. you know, at every stop along the way in his final year. Uh, what, what do you can you imagine that as, as a manager? You got so much in that, that you're doing. I mean, good for them, right? That they can walk out on their own their own terms. But can you imagine what what Bochi would be going through in a, when everybody knows it's his final year? Yeah, I thought about it a little bit, and, and I think he's probably the last guy that actually wants a farewell tour. Mm-hmm. But I think he did it to more take the pressure off his players, where they had to answer questions all the time. Do you think this is the manager's last year? Do you, you know, and and, and those can be distractions as the season goes along. So I think he wanted to get, and this is just my thoughts. I think he wanted to get that out of the way, and so his his players weren't burdened by it. I mean, we we spoke about longevity, and if Bruce's last year is this one coming up, that means you'll keep moving up the uh, totem pole in terms of service time among uh, your 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 peers and colleagues. Do, do, you, do you ever step back and and think about that, the journey you have taken since you know growing up in the Bay Area and going to rock concerts at the Coliseum and, and following the 49ers, Raiders, Giants, Warriors, A's, everybody, fan of all the teams. And here you are in, you know, managing in your roots at a, at a place you used to go to as, as a kid. And you're, the service time, you're one of the most successful managers in baseball, three-time manager of the year. You pinch yourself? Well, I, you know what, in the off-season I do. Um... You know, I remember when I was the youngest manager in the game. My first year, I think I was 40 or 41 managing, and now I'm probably toward the other yeah, side yeah. of it, which, you know, you have to be proud of that. Um, but I, you don't really think about that much during the season. You're so insulated in your work and in each and every day. It's it's more in the off season that you kind of reflect a little bit. And, you know, there are times during games that I look up in the stands and, and, you know, look at a seat where I sat in a World Series game and, like you said, you know, I'm standing on the, on the, on the turf for the Who and the Dead concert in yeah. 1975 or whatever. I mean, those things do go through my head and, I, and it's cool to reflect on that, but I think maybe more so when you're done. But I, I don't know that I could have ever envisioned being this much of a part of Bay Area sports and baseball when I was growing up it would have been more than a dream come true so to say you pinch yourself every day I, I certainly uh, it's not lost on me how lucky I am well to get to this point how much did you have to evolve or change or adjust you always do it's, yeah. it's part of what baseball and, and that's longevity whether you're a player whether you're a coach whether you're a manager you have to adjust to where the game is right now I used to get asked you know what kind of manager are you do you, you like to sit around for three run homer do you like to run and push things well it's based on the personnel that I have so I have to adjust to the personnel that we have and then you go from there it's not the other way around maybe just one last question about uh projected or at least proposed rule changes uh, maybe I'll just ask you real quick what what you might like or dislike among the things being thrown out there from the pitch clock to universal DH to three batter minimum roster expansion to 26 roster limitations in September all of those is there something that bugs you or something that you really like um, you know, I think at some point in time the pitch clock has to come into play because we're trying to, I understand that baseball is trying to capture a younger audience, and if you don't, you know, there, there are ramifications because of that. Um, as far as three, three batter minimum, I don't like that one. Um, 
roster expansion to 26, I, I would like that. Um, you know, September, I still think you should have be able to have a 40-man roster, but maybe you limit the players on a particular day that you have. Um, but having said that, you know, we use a lot of guys, we match up. That probably plays into how we play the game, but I also understand that it gets a little much when you're having to prepare in September, and especially if you're, you know, looking to play in the postseason, and now you're having to prepare for so many different scenarios where, you know, it's only one, of the, one month of the season that you're doing that. So I understand both sides of that. I just think that it's more important that we, we try to capture a younger audience. So whatever rules that, that they're coming up with that to, to try to do that, I would be for. Hmm. Well, that's great. Bob Melvin, thank you so much for joining us. I want to thank Bob Melvin for coming on the podcast today. And thanks to Libby Coleman for producing this episode. Ace Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is our editor-in-chief. And if you like the show, we'd love if you would subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.